Hello and welcome to JP Morgan's At Any Rate podcast. Uh, I'm Meera Chandan from FX Strategy at JP Morgan. And I'm joined today by three of my colleagues uh, across FX Strategy across the globe. Uh, James Nelligan from London, Patrick Locke from the US and Arundam Sandelia from Singapore. So a uh, pretty, uh, pretty uh, long list of uh, participants today and we'll try to keep it tight. Uh, but the reality is that there are uh, important things to talk about. And the two most important ones on our mind are firstly on China, uh, where we've had a flurry of uh, policy changes. We've had a PBOC change uh, prior to uh, earlier than expectations. We've had uh, news reports of a pol pol possible uh, stabilization fund uh, aimed at equities. Uh, and so we do need to talk about the implications for currencies. Arindam's going to discuss that. And then the second is uh, on central banks. Uh, this uh, two-week period uh, spanning this Friday um, is a heavy week. Uh, it's the heavy period for DM central banks. So in the past week, we've had uh, four uh, DM central banks already. Uh, three out of the four were dovish, uh, BOC, Norges Bank, ECB, uh, all dovish, although to varying degrees. Uh, the notable exception was BOJ, where we got a bit more of a hawkish um, outcome. And then uh, next week, we have, of course, uh, three more central banks coming up. Uh, the biggest one, uh, the Fed, the BOE and the Rix Bank, and we are expecting uh, shades of dovishness from them as well. So we have to talk about that. But the bottom line here is that the yield compression theme um, has started um, and it's been ongoing for a while, but it is intensifying. And as you know, this is um, the single most uh, important theme we've been highlighting uh, for 2024 is the yield compression and carry compression story, which should eventually give its way uh, to value in, in certain pockets of the FX markets. So we're going to talk about all of that. Uh, but let's uh, let's start with China. Uh, Arindam, uh, we've had um, an unexpected policy announcement from BBOC. Can you break that down to us uh, for us and just uh, you know tell us how you're thinking about it in terms of CNH? And then secondly, I think, and this is this is really more of the unknown here, and we've had news reports uh, on a possible stabilization fund for equities, which could uh, have currency implications if it came into play. Uh, you've been bearish, um, uh, you know, CNH on a basket basis. Uh, how are these developments affecting your view? Hey, Mira. Uh, yes. Uh, so what we did get this week from the PBOC was uh, a larger and earlier than expected RRR rate cut. Um, clearly, the central bank is leaning uh, more dovish than the street was uh, anticipating. And all else equal, this is usually FX negative, as we know. This is the way dollar CNY has traded for most of the past two years. Um, and uh, if this is going to be uh, sort of a counter trend uh, CNY rally, this has to come from uh, you know, sort of two conditions being met. The first is uh, the currency has to first be substantially cheap relative to an array of fundamental metrics. And second, you need the pre-existence of uh, substantial growth or credit stress in the economy that can be alleviated by easier funding conditions. And the the one correlate that I can sort of think of, an episode that sort of is similar to this, is the uh, EU debt crisis when uh, ECB easing actually led to currency strength because it alleviated credit stress. Uh, I, I don't think either of those conditions are met in the case of China. Uh, when we look at our models, uh, CNY is actually fair versus rate differentials. It is a little expensive compared to other channeling tacits on a cross-sectional basis. Um, and as far as the overall level of uh, growth risk premium in Chinese assets is concerned, it's risen a little bit uh, in the past several weeks, but is nowhere close to extremes of the kind, for example, that we saw before the big zero COVID U-turn in the fourth quarter of 22. So uh, given that uh, my sense is markets will take their cue 
first and foremost from the rate easing and therefore the, the bearish CNY implications of that. Now this uh, stock market stabilization fund that you refer to is a, is a bit of a, um, a, a, a problem for us because we don't have enough clarity on what the parameters of this plan are. So first of all, we should remember that this is not yet a confirmed policy announcement. It is just one press article that's talking about certain details of the plan. Uh, the few details that have been revealed in that article raise more questions than answers. So for example, it says that uh, it proposes to tap into a $280 billion or $2 trillion CNY of offshore funds for buying A shares to the Stock Connect channel. And these are offshore funds of Chinese SOEs. So the first question that arises is why do you need to tap offshore funds when it's far easier to mobilize onshore funds, uh, which have been previously used for similar purposes? Uh, the second question is whether offshore SOEs actually have that kind of uh, liquid funds at their disposal, because what we do know of these Chinese SOEs is that uh, most of their investments offshore are in illiquid fixed asset type projects like commodity or in infra related projects. So how easy is it to liquidate those, repatriate those funds back onshore is, is unknown. Um, we do not know over what period of time these flows could come in, if at all they will come in, whether the full quantum of those flows would be deployed for buying stocks, uh, or is this just an upper limit to serve as a quote-unquote bazooka uh, in order to calm market stress? Um, with all of these unknowns, it's very difficult to base investment strategy on a press report like this. So as you said at the outset, uh, the reposition or the view that we have is a bearish CNY against a basket of other currencies, and we stay with that. Uh, we are watching the market reaction very closely, and so far, the way markets are uh, trading is quite watchfully. A dollar CNY has done a complete round trip, um, but uh, equity markets spiked on the day, and they've held those gains, waiting and watching for more policy clarity. Uh, the Stock Connect flows spiked on the day, uh, but have cooled since then. So I guess this is, uh, for all of us, this is a space to watch, and we wait for more information next week. Thanks, Sarandam. It sounds like the devil's going to be in the details, um, assuming that the details come along at some point. But um, thanks um, thanks for that. Uh, let's just move to Europe now. Um, James, starting from the Norges Bank, what was your main takeaway there? And how do you think the Riksbank and BOE next week will play out uh, for the currencies? Sure. Thanks, Mira. Um, so Norges Bank, not much to see. Uh, statement largely unchanged, although they did uh, say the policy rate is now sufficiently high. But in the press conference, the governor said uh, the December rate path is, is still pretty appropriate, which implies 20% probability of a hike. So Noki did finish slightly stronger on the day, but there wasn't really much in it. Uh, they still seem to be a little bit cautious on the currency, so they, they don't want to turn too dovish too quickly. Uh, you probably see them turn a bit more dovish in March. Um, if you're looking for a recovery theme in FX, then we, we'd still rather look at uh, stocky rather than knocky given uh, the growth concerns in, in Norway. Uh, Riksbank and Bank of England next week do look very interesting. Um, Riksbank probably going to be dovish on Thursday, which probably weakens stocky on the day, but but medium term, that's exactly what we want to see um, to, to be a bit more bullish on, on the krona and continue the view that we've had as, as the economy is supported as, as rates come down. Uh, there's no new rate path on, on the day next week, but uh, the statement should hint at uh, the risk of earlier cuts uh, than forecast. And uh, the press conference probably also opens up that possibility as well. Um, so stocky should be much more driven by that rather than the expected QT increase on, on the day, which we, we think doesn't doesn't matter as much for, for the currency. Uh, but we do think next week, if you get a dovish Fed and dovish Riksbank, 
then uh, that's one of the best outcomes for stocky over the medium term as as we said that the rate sensitive sectors of the the economy can can start to recover and and the ongoing carry to value rotation that that mira discussed is uh, is very much in play uh, bank of england is probably going to be a bit more more dovish than than even the rix bank um our uk economist is is characterizing it as as a dovish pivot um that's that's going to bolster our bearish sterling bias um the sterling's knee jerk on on the day is probably going to be driven by our economists expectations for for a shift in the vote to 9-0 or even 8-1 um from 6-3 uh they're probably going to remove the tightening bias as well from the statement and uh, inflation forecasts could be downgraded to uh, even maybe to below target in Q2. Uh, so recently, sterling's been a, a lot more resilient, driven by the resiliency in the data, um, in the growth data and in data surprises. But I think next week, that's probably going to be overridden by by the dovish BOE. And you, you could even see some some convergence towards uh, fair value for euro sterling up, or, up at around uh, 86, 70 uh, so, Mira, turning back to you, uh, what what do you see as as the main takeaways for uh, BOJ and ECB from this week? So let's start with the ECB. I'd say on the face of it, um, Lagarde didn't really alter uh, alter her data dependent stance. Um, so um, you know, in in many ways, uh, one could consider the meeting outcome um, this week as um, as fairly uneventful. But I think what's going to be relevant here uh, for market participants and for me. Um, is that Lagarde's tone um, changed a bit relative to the last meeting. You know, specifically her comfort on uh, the progress on inflation seemed like it was further along in the process. Um, the impact of policy tightening uh, so far uh, and the dampening effect it's having on demand made its way to the statement. Um, that wasn't the case last time around. Um, so there were, there were a few tiny tweaks here um, that one could sort of assess and um, you know, conclude that, that there is perhaps a little bit more open-mindedness um, to the softness and the growth and the inflation data that's that's been coming in in the Eurozone. And even, even the December inflation trend uh, came in below ECB's expectations. Now, one doesn't want to get carried away with uh, these modest tweaks in tone, but I think we have to think about this in the global context. Um, Firstly, with uh, with so many central banks pivoting dovishly, including the Fed, and secondly, um, with the domestic on you know context as well. Given that growth is still undershooting um, ECB's own forecast substantially, and now inflation is starting to undershoot as well. So, you know, I I, I consider this more uh, more like a tiny step in the journey uh, towards um, the easing cycle. You know, obviously it's not a big step, it's a tiny step, but at least it's a first step. So that's that's good news. And I think kind of reinforces our view that Euro should be used as a funder. Uh, as a funder. The, the growth and the yield deficit for Euro aren't really going away. Um, and, uh, you know, data dependence will be important, but, you know, let's see, we, we still have the inflation report next week. Um, um, and you know we should we should gauge that against what the ECB's projections are, and if that's making um, a step in the right direction, I think it's going to be quite clear that the market's going to take that as a pretty good signal that the ECB has in fact pivoted largely. Uh, for the BOJ, they were truly an exception within within the DM space. They stood out on the more hawkish side of expectations. You know, with BOJ, everything is incremental, but within within that spectrum, certainly was on the hawkish side. And there are three things 
that our local strategists are pointing to. The first is um, the BOJ now looks more comfortable in signaling uh, to the market that its inflation target is in sight. So that's good news. Um, the second thing is that, you know, unlike in prior meetings, the governor didn't really push back um, on the, you know, the upcoming adjustment in policy. Um, so certainly, you know, that that felt like, again, a bit more open-mindedness uh, towards um, this policy change. And finally, I mean, there was a reference um, to uh, additional rate hikes, not not necessarily in the in the context of alluding that there are more coming, but you know the governor did suggest that the BOJ would remove NERP uh, when when the bank um, sees solid prospects for additional rate hikes. Uh, even though he did go on to then say that you know he wasn't quite clear on what these additional rate hikes might look like, but the fact that it was plural was um, was something that I think the market uh, caught on um, to. So look, I mean, our view on on yen has been of partial mean reversion and our main baseline has been that the BOJ is not gonna be the one to move the needle on this. It's it's gonna come have to come from the other central banks because the delivered volatility on rates outside Japan is substantially larger than what the BOJ can ever deliver. Uh, so to the extent that the BOJ did make this first step, you know, the step towards a hawkish pivot, I think helps um, in sort of this mean reversion uh, for yen valuations, which do look cheap. Uh, but it's not going to be enough to sort of catalyze a complete reversion for that. What you need is for the other central banks to play ball. And what we're seeing now is that the dovish tide among uh, DM central banks is spreading out as well. So certainly the prospects for at least a partial recovery in yen on the crosses, um, you know, looks looks certainly quite feasible on, on that basis. So long as so long as this dovish tide continues. So with that, let's um, let's turn to North America, Patrick. Um, you know, we had the BOC this week as well. What was your top line takeaway there? That was a dovish outcome as well. Um, and then let's talk about the Fed because this is going to set the tone, I think, for FX markets. Um, uh, you know, in the in the coming uh, in the coming weeks, uh, you know, growth in the U.S. has been firmer than expected. We've had yet another growth upgrade um, uh, in the U.S. Uh, just uh, just judging from uh, the four Q GDP releases, uh, inflation has been coming in a bit softer. Uh, what is the risk bias around the dollar uh, going into this uh, this event next week? Yeah, thanks, Mira. So just on the BOC, I mean, you know, listening to you guys talk and the potential amendments to, you know, the guidance from the BOE, maybe from the Fed as well, um, you know, the BOC kind of got that party started this week. Um, expectations were pretty muted coming into the event. Um, they had a recent string of CPI releases that looked pretty sticky uh, on a broad basis. And even though growth has screened pretty weak in Canada for some time, we thought that kind of tied their hands in terms of how much they'd actually be willing to signal to the market about, uh, you know, future policy normalization. In the end, they, they did end up just outright removing the hiking bias. Um, so obviously that's an important kind of formal step, you know, towards actually cutting rates. Eventually the JP Morgan forecast is still for June ease um, from the BOC, but I think this definitely, you know, keeps the market's mind open to potentially earlier cuts. Um, and that was one of the reasons we were ultimately, you know, bearish on CAD coming into the year, that combination of, uh, you know, weak growth out of Canada, disinflationary progress realized, in the, especially in the first half of 2023. Um, but the expectation that weak growth would kind of continue to see that progress moving forward. So we tempered our enthusiasm a little bit on the back of the last couple of CPI releases. But, you know, I, I think this keeps kind of the, the, the bear case for CAD um, more or less intact. 
Um, and so as a segue then to the Fed, you know, I don't think I kind of think of the Fed next week as primarily a tactical, not kind of like a medium term strategic risk to the dollar. But I do think the tactical risk is to the downside. Um, you know, as you suggested, the, I think the market focus will primarily be on, you know, what they do with um, with the hiking bias and with the guidance. Our expectation uh, is that they remove it, similar to what the BOC did. Um, and then otherwise, the market will kind of be, you know, focused on Powell's comments about, you know, the combination of the timing of the first cut, since March is still 50-50, uh, the pace of the cuts, and then ultimately the magnitude. Um, generally, I expect him to be kind of relatively cagey on all those things. Like, certainly, he he surprised dovishly uh, in December. I'm not sure he'll, he'll be uh, quite as dovish um, relative to expectations this time around. Uh, but I think, nevertheless, um, you know, the removal of of uh, the hiking bias next week could be kind of a tactical catalyst uh, to see the dollar on the back foot. Um, and then you take into account as well kind of the tactical situation or the tactical setup. I think it does kind of leave the door open for dollar weakness as well. Um, in particular, obviously, at various points at the end of December earlier this month, uh, you know, the, the Fed OIS strip was extremely aggressively priced in terms of easing. Um, you know, FedSpeak has generally pushed back against that, and that has kind of, you know, generally raised, uh, you know, the OIS strip and the treasury curve more broadly. Um, so that gives you, you know, you're basically well off the lows in terms of the yields. And then similarly on the dollar side, you know, dollar, dollar shorts got pretty aggressive uh, through the end of December. But, um, you know, by our own metrics and, you know, anecdotally speaking with, with clients, um, it does seem like a lot of those shorts have been covered. Um, maybe, you know, not all of them, but, you know, a chunk, um, but that would suggest basically that if the Fed actually does come in and deliver, um, you know, a reasonably dovish outcome that, um, some of those shorts in the, on, on the FX side, uh, could be reinstituted. Um, all that said, I I would just kind of make a a final point. Uh, we discussed this in the outlook, uh, just in terms of the dollar's tactical performance around the Fed over the last year. Um, it does look like the dollar, you know, DXY has depreciated, um, and pretty much all but two Fed meetings uh, last year. Uh, so that does kind of indicate that the market comes into these things kind of inclined uh, to sell the dollar. Um, but that doesn't necessarily pretend kind of meaningful or sustained, I should say, dollar weakness kind of going forward. Um, after two or three weeks, it looks more like, you know, the dollar um, averages about flat with definitely a few instances where the dollar uh, appreciated materially on net. So, um, it is ultimately still conditional kind of on, you know, the broader global backdrop, global macro backdrop as well, uh, taking into account everything we said about things like China, uh, you know, global growth data release this week, and then obviously the, the remainder of the central banks that need to meet. Thanks, Patrick. Um, so definitely sounds like tactical risks to the dollar to the downside. But then beyond that, uh, of course, um, it's hard to get away from the yield and the growth advantage that the U.S. is, um, is uh, benefiting from. Uh, so let's uh, let's bring that to an end. Thanks everyone for joining us. For more details on our views, please have a look at jpmorganmarkets.com uh, for additional research. This communication is provided for information purposes only. Please refer to JP Morgan Research Reports related to its content for more information, including important disclosures. 2024 JP Morgan Chase & Company, all rights reserved. This episode was recorded on January 26, 2024.